welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, a show where we talk about tabletop games and gaming topics of all kinds. This week, we'll be talking about how the hobby has changed over the last decade. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we're looking back and talking about some major changes within the hobby, as well as how we've changed in our relationship with the hobby. What has changed more? I guess we'll try to answer. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Mouse, Clark, Sarah Wentworth, Michael Finley, Listener Doug, and the Gift of Games in Grays Lake. Huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well, who are getting this month free. Um, if you got an email from Patreon saying, hey, the Patreon's been suspended, I didn't feel like charging you guys anymore since <laughs> we only have three episodes left. <laughs> so that is why. But you're all patrons to us still. Uh, just you are. So live with it uh join our discord so when we go away live with your decision (laughs) live with your decisions join our discord uh link is in the show note join our bga group links in the show note our bga tournament has started with a smaller number of people than i expected we only have like 34 or so but um that's fine it's because you picked a bad game but i'm saying Um, i didn't join because you picked a bad game it might have been, but you guys, neither of you joined, and I think it's just because I didn't send you the direct link saying join. I meant to, but I was like, I should play this game one time before I join, because I don't remember how it works, and I don't remember how BGA works, and like, it's like I'm coming off of maternity leave for BGA, <laughs> and I tried playing a game of Lost Seas, which is not difficult to understand, and yet I completely misunderstood it. Um for several rounds. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I was doing pre-show when Chris is like, um, are you alive? I was creating a new game. Because now that I understand what the goals mean, instead of like my brain was, <laughs> my real problem was I was like, oh, I understand what this means, but I didn't. Um, so now that I actually understand, I want to play again. I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat. I was, well, <laughs> and last week I'm like, BGA calendar, click on it every day for cool rewards. And then I went to Gen Con, and I didn't click on it for two days. Um, but I went back and started clicking today. Doesn't help. Uh, I had, This is my second podcast I've recorded today. Uh, I guess I'm not past tense on this one yet. Uh, but if you want to hear my recap of Keyforge at Gen Con, you can go to the Help from Future Self podcast, which has already in, been released, where Sydney and I talk about Keyforge and whether or not... Keyforge is worth traveling for. Uh, spoiler alert, I take a negative stance on this. Can Sydney has traveled to everything that she possibly can. So <laughs> Unsurprising. It's, it's not surprising at all. Um, final announcement, fantasy football is upon us. If you are interested in joining our fantasy football league, go to Discord, uh, go to our fantasy football channel and say, hey, I want to join. Uh, you can also... Uh, Ping Christie, and she is, I think she's just Christie on our, on our Discord. So, um, post in the general chat, she says. So, and we will pull in from there. So, I think Christie and Sumnus are our channel managers. Um, yeah. Okay. So, Christie and Sumnus, they're managing everything. They're, they're chatting in chat right now. So, they're, they're agreeing with me. Um, but come on in. It's a lot of fun. We're going to do a draft at some point. 
uh, in the future. So by this Friday, if you can come on the Discord and say, yes, I'm interested, then we will schedule drafts. There'll probably be two leagues again. Someone was talking about something dynasty. Um, I think we are going to do at least one normal one because the idea of a dynasty league makes my head hurt. Um, but we'll see what the interest is. Um, but yeah, we're hoping to do one of each, a dynasty league, which is kind of a year to year thing, uh, as I understand it. And then a normal fantasy football league. So that is our fantasy football. Now, I have a ton of banter in here about Gen Con and my Gen Con recap, which I'm going to do. But Kitty's like, uh, I wanted to talk about something. So, Kitty, what do you want to talk about? I don't remember if I talked about Gary on the podcast or just during an episode or even if I told anyone here. Do you know who Gary is? Guy Gax? <laughs> nope. Different Gary. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Nobody's the audience to know what I'm about. The audiences know. Um, Gary is what player three named the bat that we saw in our basement that one time. Oh. <clears throat> so Gary found his way into the main house this time. Um, we have confirmed that he doesn't live in our house anywhere. We have searched. There's no roosting of the bat, but he made it in. And he, <laughs> so I was carrying up a tub full of stuff, like bottles and things. Um, and I walked up the back staircase to the house and I watched the bat fly up the front staircase of our house directly in front of me and go sideways. And then he turned and flew directly over my head and we trapped him in the laundry room and opened the window and he saw himself out, Aww. but it was <laughs> wild. I listened to a science versus, I think, on bats or something on bats. And I just, I learned that bats don't age. Bats don't just age? Get, no, they get to maturity and then they just stay healthy until they die. But they How don't do like. They die? Um, Old they age. Like vampires were like, they stay healthy until something kills them. Basically. Like bats, they like based on, like, because they're A, they're the only flying mammal, which makes them unique. And. They just kind of live, they live for crazy amounts of time based on their size, something like 30 some years based on their size, which they're not supposed to do. The bigger mammals get, the more they're supposed to, the longer they're supposed to live. And these are just little mammals that live forever. So like, and, do yeah. giant bats live for hundreds of years then? Is that I who's going to like inherit the earth after humanity wipes itself out? It wasn't a very long podcast, but it did make me want to know more about bats. I'm it's kind of like sharks. the case. <laughs> like like sharks um, also don't age, I think, right? They are just like... They live for a very, very long time. It depends on the yeah. breed of shark, but like Greenland sharks, I think, are the ones that live to be like centuries old. Yeah. And it's it's not that they don't age at all. Like obviously everything ages, everything's like replacing. It's that our, like most mammals... get elderly the way Yeah, that... they get to a certain point and your body naturally starts to just not do as good. For reasons unknown. I mean, we know a little bit. There's some hormones that are created that actually just makes our body regeneration worse over time. Um, I actually really find the the research on aging interesting. Like fruit flies have a lifespan of 24 hours, but they've been able to extend that lifespan for like to like 24 weeks by modifying their DNA a little bit. And that's like the study. Is it time for us all to watch Gattaca again? I know, I was going to say, <laughs> I think in 100 years we solved it's the aging problem. It's not a good problem. idea. Oh, yeah, the other thing, too, the reasons why um, chats reminding me, well, 
making me remember this. The reason why bats carry so many diseases is because they're essentially immune to viruses. Like they just don't, <laughs> viruses just don't bother them. So that's why they kind of carry them around because they're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> so yeah. So Gary is a superhuman, a super, super, not human, but a super mammal. Um, love him. Yeah, my child loves him. And now when we see like, because he was very upset the next day when we couldn't find Gary still in our home hanging out. (laughs) Um, So he was very excited to hear he came back to visit us. And now whenever we see like bats flying around in our yard, which we see quite a bit, um, which we love them outside of our house. You do live in a haunted house. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, we see them outside our house all the time. We like that because they eat all the gross bugs. But um. They should not come inside our house. No, there's nothing to eat in the house. Yeah. Well, sadly, there probably is stuff to eat in our house. <laughs> it's probably why he came in. He's like, I heard there's flies in here. <laughs> I'll have a few, please. <laughs> All right, Fletcher, you said you had stuff to talk about, too. Is it better than Gary? I don't know if it's going to be better than Gary. I don't know if I can top that. But <laughs> on Sunday, I w- went out grocery shopping and I was wearing just because my TGT con shirt and I was walking around um, my local grocery store. And then I was stopped by an employee and he was like, what's TGT con. And I told him about it and he was like, how was it? And I was like, well, I was online, blah, blah, blah. He was like, do you have a business card? That sounds really interesting. I'd like to, (laughs) so (laughs) I was just wearing like a random shirt. And then the employee at the store, Thought the shirt was interesting and asked me a bunch of questions about it. And I was like, I don't have a business card, but you can go to tabletopgametalk.com and find out more. <laughs> that is the first uh, time that has know. ever happened to me. <laughs> I don't even... Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Gen Con, Christy came over. Um, Anne came by. Um, I think that's it. It was but, a whirlwind of a weekend. But see, you were recognized. I wasn't recognized. I was just wearing the shirt and someone was like... What is this? What is this convention? Yeah, I want to go to more conventions. I kind of miss conventions. I felt like this Gen Con was like the rebirth of conventions. Like I went last year, but this year just felt like full on convention. Um, So I'm going to recap this very quickly because we're already 10 minutes in and we're going over a decade of history in this episode. Um, But let's see. I played a lot of Battletech. Battletech's fun. Awesome. Um, I played Battletech Grinder, which is basically a free-for-all shoot 'em up two-hour time slots. Like, when you get killed, you get a bigger mech. When you kill something, you get a stamp saying you killed something. It's, like, it's just a ton of fun. Like, I'm going to be doing that probably every single Gen Con from now on. Like, if you want to play, just have fun shooting things with a robot, get a Battletech Grinder ticket for two hours and just show up and you will have a good time. Um, I also played Alpha Strike once, and it was okay. Um, I think I like basic, uh, classic Battletech better. I played in the Arkham Horror big, massive event, the blob that ate everything else, uh, mostly just because they were giving away promo investigators, which were like these humanoid slime, this humanoid slime investigator. I'm like, I must have that. So then I played for a three-hour event for doing that. Uh, Sydney and Jen joined me for that. Played some games of Blood on the Clock Tower, which is a social deduction game. It was it was fine. I like social deduction games, but I didn't get back to the hotel till like three o'clock in the morning because that's what happens when you play social deduction games is you're just up all night long and you uh, get exhausted. Um, all night let's see. Long. 
<laughs> I did get my Mr. Sinister promo. I did get a, a booster box of Lorcana, possibly two, maybe three. Um, all the all the news that you heard about Lorcana and the craziness at Gen Con is true, but it didn't feel that crazy on when you were there. Um, Thursday was bad. Thursday was just they weren't ready for it. By Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they had nice outlined lines and it was much more orderly and the lines moved very quickly. So it, that was fine. Um, let's see what else. I bought, I think I only bought one. Well, okay. I bought one new game. I bought Marvel Dagger and then I bought 14 copies of Arkham Horror, the card game base set. What? And that's, Why? I know, I know, um, because it was $8. So, so miniature market was distribute all of them to friends and family. No, 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 no. I'm keeping them all. Um, <laughs> so make it make sense. <laughs> this is the old base set. So there's a new core set out, which has basically double all the player cards and, you know, everything's all in one box and, and it's all good. Well, the first one was two, but you had to buy two sets in order to have like a full player play set. So they were getting rid of all of those old boxes for $8 each. Well, those old boxes have scenario sets in them that you use in all campaigns. So every campaign is going to reference some of these sets from the base box. And when I get a campaign, I like to have that campaign be standalone. So I don't have to take a set from one box and put it in the campaign. So by having a bunch of extra copies of the base set, I can now fully like complete all my campaigns so that they don't have any missing scenario cards. I don't have to pull them from any place else. And I can actually have double the sets in each one so that I can have multiple. So I can basically have the scenario set up ahead of time. Um, We talked last week. How about I'm a little bit broken. Don't do what I do, but that is what I did. And at $8 (laughs) a pop, I tried to get more, but when I went back on Saturday, they were sold out at that point. Um, but I was only buying four at a time because I didn't want to like buy all of them. Otherwise, I would have bought all of them. I wanted to give other people a chance. Um, so but nice of I you. I was asked. I know, right? Um, I was asked on Discord what I use for storage for Arkham Horror because I have a lot of cards. And I did, um, I want to say it's BCW. I think that's the the card storage box thing. I did pick up some boxes from them. They have these new, like, big four column boxes they look they have like folding lids and stuff um i'll i'll see if i can find it put a link in the show notes but i'm gonna use these for all of my character card storage and then for campaign storage i have the campaign boxes which i'm printing out inserts for so that each campaign all the cards are in one of their campaign boxes so i just pull up the campaign box build some decks and then boom there i go Arkham Horror the card game. Yeah, it's a lifestyle game. I have too many lifestyle games. Um, Not enough lifestyle. Otherwise, though, yeah, I, I would just say I, I, yes, but Gen Con was great. Um, like I said, if you want to hear about Keyforge, go listen to the Help from Future Self podcast. And that's all I'm going to say about Gen Con, besides the fact that I really had a really good time and will do again. Surprise, surprise. Um, Kitty, how yes. is the past (laughs) how how is the past Mm -hmm. is your question yeah yep 
I'm not sure how to answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Fletcher. I don't know how to. I have no idea how to answer. You're framing the question in in the present tense, but you're asking about the past. You didn't say how was the past. How is the past? What the? What about the past? I'm just. I'm just saying the the time is a is a thing. Um. So yeah. So I wanted to. (laughs) <laughs> this is a thing. So next week we are going to talk about the games that will never leave our collections. So that is like the perma future, or at least as perma future as as you know you know to make something. Um, so this week I wanted to look backwards, and after seven years, a lot has happened in the industry and to us. We've talked about us a little bit, um, and I wanted to kind of go back and just look at how the game industry has changed over time. And spoiler alert, it's gotten really, really big. Uh, The pandemic was fantastic for the board game industry. It did make, after the pandemic, like the first dip in board game sales in, I don't know, possibly history, um, happened this year because everyone's kind of like going outside outside again. again. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but yeah, 2020 was a, a landmark year for board game sales. Uh, some just mentions this was the largest Gen Con to date. That's probably true. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen the numbers, but I always tell people 70,000, uh, which is probably pretty accurate. If somebody knows in chat, you can throw it in there. Um, so I went back to when we started the podcast, which was 2015. And then I went a couple of years before that, um, 2013, because that's really when I started probably getting more into board games. Um, I've always been playing board games and stuff, but 2013 is where I started like buying more of the modern stuff. And I found it super interesting about, so I just basically put the games that were released each year as like triggers to remind us of like, what were we doing when this game came out, right? And for example, um, Kitty, have I ever made you play Zaya Space no. Rollin' Right? No, you have not. Oh, you would probably like it, I think. But Patchwork <laughs> came out that year, and you've played Patchwork. Um, I did. Splendor came out 2014. Um, Fletcher, I'm assuming you haven't played probably any of these. Have you played Splendor? Yes. All right. I'll give you that one then. Um, but yeah, it's like, oh, these games have been out for quite a while. And then the podcast. I also own Viticulture. Um, I think you own the one that came out in 2015, not the one that came out in 2013, though. Because in 2013, Viticulture comes out. Okay. And well, in 2015, the- Viticulture Essentials Edition comes out. Uh, yes, I own that one. Yeah, which is apparently much better than Viticulture Standard. Um, and there's a, actually kind of a theme through time. Is a game comes out, and then a few years later, comes out again. A few years later, comes out again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Um, but yeah, 2015. I remember backing Kingdom Death Monster. I remember playing Kingdom Death Monster. <laughs> I just got the rest of my pledge six days ago. Really? <laughs> yep. What came with it? What, what, what was missing? That box so, is already huge. Yeah. So the base, and, and actually, I backed 1.5. This is probably the 1.01. 1. I didn't. I didn't back the original Kickstarter. I backed the second one. But um, yeah, that Kickstarter was for 1.5. So it was basically a reprint and an update of the rules. And they had what they called the Gambler's Chest as a stretch goal in there. And there's a bunch of stuff that went in the Gambler's Chest. And as over the years, like they had delivery dates in that Kickstarter that were five, six years out, which 
they still missed, but um, it was uh, a lot of people just thought they were typos. Like, no, they can't really mean that. Uh, they did. But yeah, the gambler's chest is just now completed and it quadrupled in size. I think I spent $50 on it in the Kickstarter and it's now like a $350 product. But he sent this giant, as big as the original game, uh, gambler's chest to everybody who backed six, seven years ago. And so now I have this giant um, gonna thing I'm going to put up on eBay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I was going to say, because <laughs> you don't have the game anymore, dude. No. Didn't you give it to George? I gave it, yeah, I gave it away to George. Uh, he won it in one of our contests. And yeah, so I, I'm just like, yep, I'm going to put this on eBay. So they're going for like, well, when before Gen Con, they were like $600 and they were like selling fast. So I don't really care what I sell it for. Um, but I'm like, yep, I'll just put that up there. Sell that. Uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 1 came out the year we started this podcast, as well as Blood Rage. And Both of which we talked about a lot on this podcast. <laughs> yep, during during those times. Um, one of my favorite games that I've, I wouldn't even begin to play with you guys, even <laughs> though it's fantastic. Rude. I know, I, it sounds so... I wouldn't even begin downy. to play this with you guys, even though it's a great game. I see the you thing guys is are just I would not, not good enough for this game. You guys I would are not, not worthy. teach anybody this game. I just, no no I, I just I would not teach it's, anybody this game. This game is too good for you. It is too <laughs> I think the word I want to use is touch convoluted. it with your unclean hands. <laughs> <laughs> it is on there's an app for this. It is on Board Game Arena. It's called Through the Ages: A New Story of Civilization. It is a fantastic game that will make your head hurt. And I can't even understand how to teach it. Like, I, I don't even know where to begin to teach this game. I learned it through the app, and I had to play it probably five times before I'm like, oh, that's what that does. Um, you just heard me say I got confused by Lost Seas, right? <laughs> yeah. This is why I'm like, you know, I have limited amounts. If I was going to, like push a game on you that had some extra rules, it would be Arkham Horror the card game. Mm. This game is great, but it is not worth my effort to teach it. So if you learn it and want to play it, I will play it with you. Um, meanwhile, Seven Wonders Duel came out this time, and I bounced off of that very quickly. Uh, I bounced back to it eventually, but Codenames came out this year. Like that's This is when we started the podcast. Codenames is as old as we are, and it feels like Codenames has existed forever. It's kind of like with your kids, right? You just like kids are exist forever. Um, yeah, we've no, told I the story of a time before I had children. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like you don't really. It was it's... so quiet. <laughs> uh, all those memories I slept go away. So much. <laughs> I never valued my sleep when I had the chance. Youth is wasted on the young, and mm-hmm. sleep is wasted on the childless. Um, yeah, so that was 2015. 2016. Um, probably one of the best years in board gaming. 2015 was pretty good, but 2016 saw Terraforming Mars. I don't have to love it to know that people do. Star Wars Rebellion, Great Western Trail, Scythe, Feast for Odom, Arkham Horror the Card Game, Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, Mechs vs. Minions, Clank, like, all these, like, huge games. Um, This was the year that we paid, I think we played Pandemic Iberia with Christy at Gen Con that year. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, 
Tyrants of the Underdark came out, which was like a deck building game with some area control stuff that I really wished had more been more successful and more support. Dominion Second Edition came out that year and has since released like 55 more expansions. Um, Captain Sonar. If you ever have the opportunity to play Captain Sonar at a party, 100% do it. It is amazing. Uh, but you probably won't play it at a party. You'll probably play it at a convention. But if you're ever at a convention and have a chance to play Captain Sonar, do it. Um, Role Player came out. It's not like Yahtzee. It's just like yeah. There are dice. End of comparison. Uh, Santorini. Uh, Hero Realms. I liked Hero Realms better than Star Realms, so I put that on here. Yeah, 2016 um, was a I banner year. Role Player is like Yahtzee the way that Santorini is like Tic-Tac-Toe. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad that pause is going to get cut out. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Just know there was a good pause there before Chris let out that nope. <laughs> he thought about it for a second. I did. I did. I'm like, um, does that? No. Nope. <laughs> Not going to work. <sighs> um, yeah. Anything. So 2016, we still didn't have kids. You and Spencer were married. I th- we had moved into the new the building. Yeah, me and Spencer have been married for 10 years now. I guess I should yeah. put that at the beginning of this list. Because that I start at the be- my marriage begins at the beginning of this list as well. Yep, and yeah, that's that's where the podcast was born between the time that we lived together and you weren't married. Then you moved out. Then you moved back in with me, and that's when the spark of the podcast started. No, so you the were already married. Started after we moved into the building. Well, the podcast started it, but the spark started before that because you had introduced me to 99% Invisible, which was the first podcast I'd ever listened to. And I'm like, oh, this is super interesting. And then, yeah, the rest is is history. See, it's also, Present I guess, tense. when you started beating me at Dice Masters all the time. Um, I beat you once and you said, I'm never playing with you again. That is completely untrue. You beat me like eight times in a row. You might call it once because we sat there at the table one time. <laughs> but it was no, it was over several days. We were living together like in your spare bedroom for six months when that happened. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember because I was studying up on it and I built myself a great deck and you came over. Yeah, that's and then what I started doing. explaining. Instead of working, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, I started explaining how all of it worked and how it was like, this was this and this can do this and this can do this. And you looked at me and you're like, and that was it. And nobody heard the pause. But um, yeah, there was a long pause. And then you're like, I don't want to play this game anymore. Actually, you didn't say that. You just said, okay, let's play something else. And then you never let me play again. Yeah. Yeah. So that was 2016. 2017, I get married in October. Move out of the city. We do everything fully remote. Well, not that entire year, but start of that year. Yeah. But tell us about the games. Is when <laughs> we Gloomhaven did this one already. Out. Yeah, I was going to say, we, did, we talked about our personal stuff. <laughs> I know. Gloomhaven um, comes out in 2017 and like skyrockets to the top of the charts. Wildly popular. Yeah. And sits there for quite some time. It was just dethroned this year. Uh, for reasons unknown, I'm not really sure. We'll talk about what dethroned it in, in just a moment. Um, Twilight Imperium 4 comes out this year as a surprise. Like, nobody expected this. This was at Gen Con and Fantasy Flight. This was when Fantasy Flight still did, like, um, announcements at Gen Con. And all of a sudden, here's the new thing. And so that was, like, nobody expected it. I don't think I picked much it up. Much like the it was Spanish not, Inquisition. Much like the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, what? 
Just let it go. Somebody laughed somewhere. Okay, cool. Um, speaking of Spanish Inquisition, Spirit Island came out that year. Nobody expects it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See? All right, fine. Our audience Our gets audience it. understands my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Monty Python reference. It's yep. not even a very good Monty Python reference, but it, it, it is what it is. Yep. Oh, good times. Uh, Spirit Island comes out. It took me four years to learn how to play that game. And I'm still, that my brain hurts anytime I try to play it. Spirit Island is one of those games that I'd rather teach uh, Civilization uh, before. It's just, it's uh, it's very, very good. But it's really, there's a lot going on. Um, Too Many Bones comes out this year. Really putting chip theory on the map. It's crazy, because I feel like, um, I don't know, like, these games feel like they've been around forever. Yeah. It's weird to think that our podcast predated them. Yeah. I mean, this was early in the podcast, but it was, this was the date. Not, it's like halfway through. Not that early in the podcast. Yeah. I mean, 2017, like, that was like the second year of the podcast. Sure. Anachrony comes out. uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 2. So we had played Season 1, and we had Mm -hmm. high hopes to play Season 2. It didn't happen. We started it. We did. Azul comes out this year. Seventh Continent, which was all the rage, has not aged well, and 7th Citadel is still not out. How late is this Kickstarter now? They're still giving updates, so I I think it's going to come out. I think it's supposed to be coming out pretty soon. Updates are like, make sure we have your correct address. We're seriously going to do this now. (laughs) The pandemic really messed up um, a lot of Kickstarters. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm wondering if 7th Citadel is going to actually be worth playing when it comes out, because 7th Continent now is just not aged great. Near and Far came out this year. Um, this was a oh. game that you really liked. I liked Above and Below, and I wanted to like Near and Far more than I did. I think I just still like Above and Below. What was What's the next one that came out? I didn't even put it on the list because it didn't rate high enough to... When I was doing the search, but it was like now and then or now and later. Or is that a candy? Near and far. <laughs> near and far. <laughs> now and no, no, no. Near and far is what we're talking about. It's good it and plenty. Below, near and far. Um, I, I thought it was like now and laters. I don't think there's a third one like that. I thought there was like, oh, move it's, on. It's almost I'll come like back we don't have the it. internet. Yeah, I'm going to Google it while you move on. <laughs> <laughs> sequel to Near and Far. Um, and then Sentry comes out this year. And then they did a surprise release of Sentry Gollum Edition at Gen Con. And they're like, oh, no, no, we're just doing this for Gen Con. It's not going to be a wide release. You can only get it here. And everyone's like, what? Which made no sense to anybody at all. It's like, okay, this one looks better. It feels better. It's just like everything about it is better. And this is the one that you're not going to use. You're just going to use the brown wooden cube version of it. And they're like, yep. Okay. By next Gen Con, they had said, never mind, we'll do Gollum Edition for everything and make it an official product that we can sell. Um, and Fantasy Realms came out this year, which I loved from the minute it came out, but it wasn't would not be popular for another five years before it was released in Germany and nominated slash won the Spiel des Jahres. It's definitely nominated. I don't remember if it won or not. Um, and actually, Downforce came out this year. This is our tournament game. And I, the only reason I put it on here is our tournament game because... <laughs> Downforce is not, in my mind, a good game. <laughs> it's just a game. It's a game. It's fine. It's a fine game. 
Why did I make it the tournament? Because I want to know if repeated plays makes this a good game. What am I missing? What about Downforce is like, like it's this mainstream racing game that's super easy to learn to play. Um, how, like, where's the depth in this game? And that's what I want to learn. So I'm using our tournament tease as a uh, test bed on that. All right. What's the sequel to Near and Far? Now or Never. See, now or never, now or later, now and later. It's it's. I was <laughs> it, close. You were close. You were on the right track, uh, but yeah, didn't didn't quite get there. Now, <laughs> John says the depth comes from the betting, so we're gonna figure that out uh, for downforce. All right, twenty eighteen, a new surprise announcement: Kitty's pregnant. Um, actually, we <laughs> knew that in twenty seventeen, right? Gonna- we did know that for a long time in 2017 yeah. because I was only pregnant for 21 days in 2018. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was very quick. Um, but Gen Con that year from Fantasy Flight announces this unique deck game that I'm like, but aren't all deck games unique? This does this sounds stupid. So I completely ignored Keyforge at Gen Con. And then at Gamehole Con, they were doing demos, and I'd done a little bit more research, and that's when we all got hooked on Keyforge in late 2018, mm-hmm. and it changed the directions of our lives for a brief period, um, some of us longer than others. My wife does a podcast on this game. Brass Birmingham also came out this year, which, foreshadowing, would take over the number one spot from Gloomhaven five years later. Why? <laughs> Nobody knows, but this is when Brass Burning. Yeah, it was a very, (laughs) very slow burn. Um, Root comes out this year. Uh, Everdell, Quacks of Quinlanburg, Teotihuacan, Decrypto, Rising Sun, Just One, Welcome to, Ganjan Clever, um, Too Many Bones, Undertow, Space Base, Chronicles of Crime, Western Legends, Vindication, Dice Throne Season 2. That's really where it got its legitimacy. Uh, Gizmos, Brawlopolis, Betrayal Legacy. Like 2018 was a good year. I think this was like the height, villainous. Um, this was the height of the podcast where we were like, we were going full steam, playing everything that we, we could get our hands on. Um, and like, I think we started doing Kickstarter edition around this time too. Oh, we 100%. Uh, we, I think, started Kickstarter edition in 2017 because I remember was Spirit Island a Kickstarter? It was, yes. I remember covering that on Kickstarter edition. I mean, it's had three more sequels since then, but it is entirely possible that we covered this originally there. Yeah, I. it was one of my picks. And you were like, mm, I don't know about this. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the year that Sydney and I went to Essen. Um, Sydney was six months pregnant, I think, when we went to Essen. And it was what she'll call our, our baby moon, which pretty accurate. It's like, all right, the last chance we're going to get to travel before we have you know a small child. And so, yeah, our first and only time at Essen, which was really, really fun. Then 2019, Zachary on the 26th, so 26 days, um, Sydney was pregnant in 2019. Then we mm-hmm. had a Zachary. The games, For focus. Games, I'm doing the games. <laughs> uh, Clank Legacy, <laughs> taking Clank to the next level. Uh, played through it. It's great. If you haven't played Clank Legacy, play Clank Legacy. It's a competitive legacy game. Where you kind of care about winning, but you care more about unlocking all the different story pieces that are there. It was weird. Uh, weird in a good way. Like, it was, it was like, really good. Uh, Wingspan, one of the most overrated games ever. Uh, I know that's a hot take. <laughs> it's fun. 
It was fine. It's it, fine. Like Wingspan at the time, it was fine, but it's gone too far. <laughs> Wingspan really. Um, sorry, I'm dying over here. <clears throat> Wingspan, I feel like really capitalized on the like lack of availability for a while. It had like the glimmer of like oh, you were able to get a copy because there were not enough copies initially printed. It was so much more popular than had been anticipated that that first print run was not big enough. And I think that really threw its name out there with this like mystique of like, oh, wingspan. It looks and it looks beautiful and it was fun to play and everyone wanted a copy and it was hard to get. Um I think once it became widely available, it was like, okay, and now it's just a normal board game. Yeah, I had one of the original copies of it, because I'm a Stonemaier champion, and like anything he puts out, I'll get I stole it. <laughs> and yeah, but, and, and the thing is, I really did like it the, when, if you play it casually, mm-hmm. I it's a good game. Um, I don't know, you broke I, it for me. Yeah, I just think, I think there are ways to break the game, and they're not common. Like, it doesn't happen every game. You can't use the same strategy every time. That doesn't happen. Um... It is a nice table present. It is a very welcoming game. Like, I'll give it all of those things. But this game has sold millions of copies. And it is a good game. There are way more games that deserve to sell millions of copies. I'm not begrudging it. But that's why I say it's overrated. It's a great game. No, it's a good game that sold millions of copies. But that's how the industry works, right? It's it's word of mouth. Like Wingspan got so much non-gaming press, like mainstream press and stuff like that, which really projected it like you know to the to an extreme. And when you're coming into when you're not in the hobby and then suddenly you play something like Wingspan, you're like, "Oh man, this is amazing." And it is. It is compared to like Monopoly and, you know, Risk and those types of things. But when you compare it to the other options too, I, I there's like I would play a lot of games over Wingspan. Um, this is not meant to be a bashing on Wingspan thing. I'm just saying it's overrated. I'm not saying it's not good. <laughs> uh, and you can still get it at Walmart and Target. That's true. Um, let's see. Marvel Champions came out this year. I'm still trying to learn to like this game. Apparently, they have a new lead designer now. And so I'm like, all right, maybe I'll give it a try with this with this other new design. See, what, see where he takes it. Uh, the Crew came out this year. A game that I did not expect to like. But one that is but like a man, staple. we have played that more than <laughs> so many other games. It's so good, so good. Um, Cthulhu Death May Die. Like I expected that game to be like, eh, it's not even a campaign game. And then I get it, and I'm like, oh my god, it's not a campaign game. This is amazing. Um, we're gonna get to trends in a second. Campaigns and the oversaturation of campaign games. I.e., the next game on this list, Tainted Grail, and just like, ugh. Um, cartographers parks came out this year. Super like, I I think it was licensed art, but it was art that was made for the national parks. And then they would either commission the game be made for the art or they made the game using the art that was commissioned or something like that. But the art that is there is like, they used the art from the national parks poster series done by it's a very famous poster series. And it's, um, yeah. It's really cool, very beautiful, fun game. I'll play it whenever. Yeah, it's it's not bad. I've played it a few times. It's deep enough where like there is definitely strategy there, but it's easy enough to learn where anybody can just pick it up and play. Mm-hmm. Uh Kana also came out this year. This was the same designer as Somebody Help Me Here Space <laughs> Game. Lots of symbols. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
Yeah, it was in my head and then I forgot. Someone's typing it. Christopher's going to save me. Race for the galaxy. Um, (laughs) I do not like this game. And I should. It's a fantasy race for the galaxy-esque game. There's just something about it. I'm like, there's just not enough here. And then they, even the expansion came out. I'm like, okay, the expansion doesn't add enough. Um, but it is, the core game is very good. It's You're drafting some cards, a small amount of cards, and then you're going to use those cards to kind of build an engine over a few rounds to try to get to X number of points. Um, but there's a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of luck involved. I don't know. I want to love this game. The, the The seeds are there. Maybe it's the Take That Dragons. I don't know. But another game came out that year called It's a Wonderful World, which I did not play until five years later. And that game, I love. Like, wow, do I like this game so much. Um, have I made... I haven't played you guys play this on BGA, have I? Did you I made think me I, play it. Did I? Oh, it's so good. I so don't good. know anything about this Maybe. game. I think you might did like you it. you play it? Of course, I just googled I it and I, I get the, I get the song. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. It is, it is basically if Seven Wonders was an actual game, <laughs> and it's so. Good. What is Seven Wonder- so Wonders good. then? If it's not a game, um, I mean, an actual an good game is that what you mean? <laughs> no, so I like Seven Wonders. I play Seven Wonders quite often. Uh, but with Seven Wonders, it feels like I'm going to draft what I have. And I'm like, there's not a lot to think about in Seven Wonders. Which card in front of me is going to get me more points is is basically what you're thinking of. Yeah, I and like it's, this. It's in a wonderful world. It is so like there's so many thinky bits. It plays over four rounds. Each round, you're going to draft cards. Those cards, sometimes you're going to want to build them. So you make turn them into projects sometimes you're going to want to recycle them which turns into a resource that you can apply to your project and then when you complete projects that'll generate resources over time and then each resource gets generated in a particular phase so there's five different resources that get generated and the amount of thinking that happens by rounds three and four just make your brain hurt in the most awesome ways it's like i love it um i have not played this game it's the and um, Terrence just asked whether or not the BGA version is any good. The BGA version is fantastic. It is so good. It's just so good. <laughs> Christopher, Game Master Chris's new board game, Shade Master Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been a day. I'll give you that for sure. <laughs> um, I am upset that I never thought of that. <laughs> I'm definitely I got Game Master Chris because Discord went back and they like got rid of all their hashtag four digit numbers. So you had to like remake your uh username. And Game Master Chris is actually now my name as opposed to Game Master Chris hash number number number, whatever it was. Um but now I need to get Shade Master Chris as my second one. Uh Star Wars Outer Rim came out. Very good game. Needed an expansion, has an expansion, all is good. And Tapestry came out this year, um, which then it immediately came out with balance adjustments and then more balance adjustments then an expansion with some extra balance adjustments and then another expansion with more balance adjustments and i'm pretty sure we're at three expansions now um and all the balance adjustments Very are printed in the underwhelming rolls. i would say tapestry um yes i'm not going to disagree with you on that one i'll let you cast the shade and i'll just smile and nod just just bask <laughs> in my shade yeah <laughs> i do like tapestry but it's not of it was the Stonemaier games. It was very 
um, hyped up, especially after Wingspan. This was still when Wingspan was like, oh yeah, that's so right. hyped. And this was like the next game after Wingspan, and everyone was like, what are they going to follow it up with? And it was like, it's fine. Yeah, and the the rule book was four pages, which was a advertised as like a, a thing, um, which is true, just because every aspect of the game has additional rules on it. But it's not a complicated game by any means. Um, but yeah, I think if I'm going to play a Stillmeyer game, I'm probably still going to pull out Viticulture first. Scythe probably comes next. And then maybe Tapestry is before... Well, wing, Tapestry is definitely before Wingspan for me. Yeah, I'd go Wingspan. I'm trying to think Pendulum... But Viticulture the, is obviously the first choice. Yeah. Like, Viticulture is just... And just the Essentials Edition. Like, I don't actually throw in anything else. I just play that base one. Um, I think the I think it's called Pendulum. That gives you to show how often I've played this game. Um, that would not really hit the table. Um, and Red Rising. Like, I read the books just because... Of the game and Red Rising's fine, but Fantasy Realms is better. Like Red Rising is based on Fantasy Realms. Fantasy Realms is just better. It just does it simpler. It's smaller. It's easier. Um, yeah, that's that's my review of Snowmeyer Games. <laughs> twenty twenty. Something happened in twenty twenty. We don't talk about it. Yeah, the world <laughs> ended. Um, and then two more babies came along during this year. Player four, three months before Becca. Mm-hmm. Pandemic six months before, no, about four months before Player Four, give or take. Um, Gloomhaven. I remember my twenty-week ultrasound was normal, and then my follow-up appointment with maternal fetal medicine. I had to wear a mask, and no one was allowed to come with me, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yep. We had all kinds of tests and stuff for me to get in the hospital, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> just so that I could be there when the baby's born. Yep. Um, but. Outside of the pandemic, Gloomhaven hits Target, which was... Uh, I got a dog. <laughs> oh, you got a dog. There we go. I'm a, um, dog. There we go. That's when I got Marty. It was in 2020. <laughs> it is one of the words that Zachary can spell. Is dog. Same. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can spell it too. <laughs> it is one of the words I can spell. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Accurate. Uh, Jaws of, yeah, so Jaws of the Lion, Gloomhaven, comes out at Target, and it becomes highly, I think it deserved the ratings it got as far as a very nice way to onboard yourself into a very complicated game. Um, Dune Imperium, amazing game. I actually played this at Gen Con, and I'm like, oh man, I need to pull this out and add in all the exp- expansions and play this game again multiple times. Eclipse, Second Dawn for the Galaxy, also an amazing game I haven't played in a while. Lost Runes of Arnak, I've played that, but mostly on BGA, but I have played it in person. Penlemic Legacy Season Zero is on the shelf of shame. <laughs> Sun, <laughs> very good. Search for Planet X, love it. Dwellings of Elderville, love it. Forgotten Waters, we played it at, we met up, we got an Airbnb in the middle of the pandemic where the Midwest friends and the East Coast friends met up and we played Forgotten Waters like for hours. And then this was the start of Marvel United and whew, that's still going. 2020, we can skip over. It was a good year. 2020 was a good year. For board games. For board games. (laughs) Yes. I mean, maybe even just the first half of 2020 was a good year for board games. Because the second half of 2020 killed board games. It it, definitely really put a dent in Kickstarter. Like, games from Kickstarter. 
Yes, but one thing that it did do is it turned BGA from this little indie board game site to what going to be like the hottest site for board games, period. And that started in 2020. I think if you look at the number of games that were on BGA in 2020 at the beginning, it was like less than 200. And now we're over 600 games. Like it's crazy how big that site has grown. Um, Their servers were going down because so many people were signing up for it all at one time. And, you know, they had to raise the price for their already crazy too cheap um, annual subscriptions. Um, 2020 was essentially the coming out party for Board Game Arena and Zoom. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what 2020 was. Uh, 2021, Keyforge dies. Literally. <laughs> lost the algorithm. Keyforge lost the algorithm. Um, <laughs> but Ark Nova comes out as a terraforming Mars killer and rockets up the chart. Um, Great Western Trail 2nd Edition comes out. The crew, Mission Deep Sea, which is arguably better a better version. the first one. Absolutely. Yes. But the first one is a good game. This is a great game. Yes. It, Mission I think it is adds so much like more complexity. It keeps it keeps it fresh better than the first one. This is one of my evergreen games for next week. Spoiler. Spoiler. Like, same. <laughs> yeah. The crew is amazing and honestly the reason i we, so we played mission deep sea all the way through and then we're like oh we need more and then we went back and played the crew the normal version and it's like okay it's fine but now let's go play some more mission deep sea again mm-hmm. um cascadia which i still have i played i still don't think i've played this you played cascadia did i yes with me i brought it to your house and set it up and made you play it Oh, there's the the habitats and the animals, and you're trying to make the shapes. Yeah, okay, I remember. Yeah, we were waiting for Fletcher to get there, and I was like, "We're gonna start this game, and they're gonna walk in the door." And lo and behold, two rounds in, you guys walked in the door. (laughs) Yeah, um, it's okay. I like it. I mean, I think it's really fun. It's it's no wingspan, but it's fine. Ha ha ha! (laughs) I like both Cascadia and Calico better than Wingspan these days. I think a lot of it is just the how quickly you can get the game to the table. And yeah, and I think Cascadia is better for, um, I think, ease of play. I think they learned some lessons from Calico because Calico's got a lot of kind of fiddly setup bits. Like you have to like sort out all these cats and find the right cats. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, Cascadia is a good game. All right. Um, Terry Fairy Mars Ares Expedition. This is the card version of terraforming mars and between this and arc nova those two things really started putting a dent in terraforming mars's like high watermark hadrian's wall uh, i still love this game it's in alpha on bga i didn't do it but that's fine i've played it i've submitted some bugs he's fixed some uh issues on it and i'm looking forward to it to be released because as soon as it's released into Probably beta. If I can do a beta tournament, I'm going to do a tournament of Hadrian's Wall. It's going to be amazing. And Kitty, this is a game that is overwhelming when you first look at it, but I think you are going to love this game. It really helps, at least when we played uh, your version, that you know you can only click on things that you can actually do. Yeah, kind of like uh, terraforming yep. Mars, where it's like, what can I do? Oh, okay. There's you know 60 possible actions, but you can only actually do three of them. Right. Yeah, and that's why like having it online is really helps like streamline where what you can do. Um, 
yeah, it's just, it's such a good game. I mean, it's technically a flip and write, but uh, it's such a crunchy flip and write. It's so good. Um, Ankh, the final game of the trilogy of Blood Rage. Yeah, Blood Rage. Um, um, oh, I even wrote it down earlier. And maybe, oh, Seventh Sun, Rising Sun. Blood Rage, Rising Sun, Ankh. Rising Sun, I like, but it's a three-player minimum game, so it doesn't hit the table very awesome often. Um, Ankh, it's only a good two-player game. I actually, we've played it multiple times, and I actually despise it at more than two players. Um, I think it's a terrible, terrible game above two players. And at two players, it's only okay. It takes up too much space for what it is. Um, yep, Shade Master Chris. Uh, Final Girl. <laughs> uh, this is actually a really good game. A little too hard, a little too luck-driven. driven, drivy. Um but it has a lot of Cthulhu Death May Die vibes to it. So I made my own expansion to turn the final girls into characters that have skills that can level up. And I like my version better. Um, but the core game is very good, too. Like Final Girl, if you like solo games at all, check out Final Girl. It, it is very, very good. Um, Marvel United X-Men comes out like the year after Marvel United. And again, I go all in. Summoner Wars, second edition. Zombie, sec- zombie side, second edition. Railroading Challenge, uh, which still doesn't exist on PGA, but it, it does exist in real life. Um, and yeah, I'm skipping on a few of them just because I want to talk about a few other things too. 2022, Heat comes out. This is just last year. So Heat um, is the big one. Frosthaven finally comes out, um, like hugely delayed. Uh, Splendor Duel. Uh, Great Western Trail, Argentina. So we have two new Great Western Trails now. Um, ISS Vanguard, Foundations of Rome, way too big for what it is, but a good game. Twilight Inscription, Mass of Darkness 2, way better than I thought it would be. Um, and then this year, we have twins being born. Um, and I don't know, like so far this year, get my second too many dog. Unbreakable. You got a second dog. Yep. Put another <laughs> dog in here. <laughs> dog. Got it. Um, Earth is okay. We played it on BGA. It's it's mm-hmm. fine. Darwin's Journey, I haven't played yet. Star Wars, a deck building game. It's fine. It's not better than any other two player game. Like, it's just fine. Uh, the Witcher Old World, actually, way better than I thought it would be. Hoplomachus Victorium, way too long. Um, Expeditions, which is a sequel to Scythe, I own but have not played it yet. Marvel Zombies, I believe, just came out. Um, Too Many Bones Unbreakable, a really good intro set to Too Many Bones. Masters of the Universe, way better than I thought it would be. Um, And that takes us to the current day. So, yeah, Great Western Trail released at Gen Con this year, and I did not even pay any attention to it at all. I was talking for New Zealand, and I was talking to a friend of mine. I'm like, I love the base game. I don't need something to replace it. That's it. That's that's how I'm feeling these days. This is so now like trends in the industry, lots and lots and lots of capitalizing on successful games that started second editions. We had a rush of campaign games and legacy games that just I think a lot of that stuff actually kind of burned me out on the genre. Like I don't even want to look at a campaign game anymore. Um it's just there's just too much of it. And then you have things like Marvel United and Too Many Bones and Arkham Horror, the card game, which is are these are three of my top games, which is constantly releasing new content. So I constantly need more of it. And I feel good about having it because I want it all. But man, there's just so much content. Um, Fantasy Flight, 
has been dying slowly over the years. Um, it used to be amazing. And now they've like sold off all the interesting pieces. And what's left is like Arkham Horror and Marvel Champions, which maybe maybe Lord of the Rings. They're re-releasing some of that stuff too. Um, but I used to go to Fantasy Flight all the time and like to their website. And now it's like, eh, I'm, I'm fine with whatever. Um, games have been coming back. So Keyforge comes back, bought by the guy who left Final Fantasy or Fantasy Flight games. Um, and so it's been reborn. Well, we'll see if it can keep living. Um, Plaid Hat was sold to Asmodee, and then they bought themselves back. So Colby, who started Plaid Hat with Summoner Wars, sold to Asmodee, and then it's like, okay, well, I want to buy my company back. So he did, with only certain IPs that he got. Um, but Summoner Wars, Ashes, and I want to say the Crossroads system may also be... Because he's done a couple crossroad games since then. Um, so, but he basically bought his company back from Asmodee and has been doing his own stuff there. Uh, I think the trend is more to shorter, easier to table games. Kitty, to your point. Yeah. Like, I've been saying it I, for years. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, wanted, I want games that I can just put on the table and play and that doesn't become like this huge production. Right. It's just I like want so games much. that I can play with my friends that I don't have to make new gamer friends to play these hardcore games with me. I just want games I can pull out and play. Yeah. I will say there is a trend in the industry where I've been buying less crowdfunding games. <laughs> um, well, I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that, where like it hasn't been as. Um, reliable. Reliable. <laughs> it certainly hasn't been as reliable. And I don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's as inexpensive. I think the prices have all gone up on a lot of the production um, <laughs> corridors there. Yeah. I mean, there's still great stuff out there. Yeah. And I still back things, you know, from time to time. But for the most part, I'm I'm only really backing things that I know I already want because I've played it, right? So yeah. I, I'm fine adding more Bones and more Marvel, um, more United, more Minis, whatever it is. But it, I'm like Marvel Zombies bounced right off of that. I had no interest in that whatsoever. Um, they just backed an, or they just Simon just did another one, and I'm like I'm uh, it's like Mordred I think, and I'm like nope, zero interest in it. And that wasn't just me. Like that Kickstarter I think was hugely disappointing. Um, it did not meet any kind of interesting goals whatsoever. Um, Game prices have gone up. Shipping costs have gone up. Um, GameFound, everyone was a little like, oh, yeah, can anything compete with Kickstarter? GameFound is a way better Kickstarter. And I think as far as people who do crowdfunding, I think GameFound, like, you don't even think, have a second thought with GameFound. However, BackerKit, I don't think I'll ever back anything on BackerKit. I don't like the interface. I don't like anything it's doing. I don't like any of this stuff on there. They tried to bring over Gloomhaven, the Gloomhaven miniature product, the BackerKit. And even though it made like two or three million dollars, the previous Gloomhaven Kickstarter was at twelve million dollars. So I still think it was pretty decent disappointment. Successful for BackerKit, I guess, but I don't think I think he could have been much more successful on GameFound or Kickstarter. Um, but I don't know. There's just something about BackerKit that doesn't draw me in so i'm just like eh, whatever um the industry is still growing though but it's growing at a slower rate which makes sense you can't just keep growing 20 percent year over year over year um 
I think one of the articles I was looking at um, had it projected that uh, it'll be, you know, several billion or something. And uh, this is actually, I put a link in here that does, this takes me to a survey, not to the article I was looking at, but um, it's, it's going to, it's just giant, right? It's, it's a billion dollar industry, multi-billion dollar industry and growing, which is good. I think that the more we get into everything's on a screen, the more we need physical components on a table. And as much as I love BGA, like playing a game in person is so much more satisfying than playing something on BGA, just for the social aspect of it. I think what's interesting about um, the industry, like you said, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? But it's not dominated by any one company or even just a few companies. It's just a ton of small companies, essentially. Yes. Now, you could argue that Asmodee has a ton, like they'll buy all kinds of things, but it doesn't matter because any small company, if they have a good idea and a good game and can market it, because of the way that crowdfunding drives the industry, and I don't see that going away, I see that only getting bigger, um, it means that anybody can come up with the next big idea. Maybe Hasbro, success, but like I'd be Hasbro, surprised if, if they're yeah. more than like 10% of the industry. Yeah, Hasbro is they they have hit or miss too because they have their own crowdfunding platform that oftentimes doesn't meet the lofty goals that they set themselves to. I will say that's another trend though that I'm seeing is a lot of um, companies have their own crowdfunding systems now. Um, so Savage Worlds, we talked about that a couple episodes ago. They like um, Pinnacle Entertainment. They have their own crowdfunding platform on their website where it's kind of like a pre-order thing but they have stretch goals for how many pre-orders they get now they still will go to kickstarter and do some of their stuff over there but they have an entire local crowdfunding thing and you'll see that like hasbro has it um stonemeyer doesn't do kickstarter anymore at all but they have their champions network that you can do so all in all i think that there's a ton of potential for these small companies to have their own platforms. And like Kitty, you don't like Simon using Kickstarter to back their stuff, but Simon has heard you and I think you've had a direct influence on them. Because they're doing a I'm it's just saying. It's just me. They heard me personally and yeah. said, yep. "You know, she's right." Yep. So they even are doing they will send out if you're a part of the Simon newsletter, which I kind of recommend because if you like any of their games, they there's a lot of like um stuff that's released that you wouldn't find out about usually any other way. Um, but they have their own pre-order system now. So there'll be games that just come out. It's like, okay, this is on pre-order for the next three months or whatever. And they'll put stretch goals on that pre-order. Uh, not nearly as like fan horrific as the Kickstarter. Yes, that is a word. <laughs> um, but you can, you can go to their site and then pre-order stuff there. But they still do their Kickstarters because that's where you're going to get the biggest buzz and the biggest hype. Um, what else has changed? Like, what do you guys over the last seven ish years? What's going on? Um, I mean, my personal game library has grown a lot. It's never been very big, but I keep adding to it slowly, year after year. There's like is, another game that finds its way to my collection. You, is that because you keep listening to this awesome podcast called Tabletop Game Talk? <laughs> it, it could be. It might have something to do with it. <laughs> 
Um, well, I stopped backing things on Kickstarter pretty much when we stopped doing Kickstarter editions last Dice, Dice Tower News. I stopped having a reason weekly to go over to Kickstarter and check stuff out. And I found myself, I found some really good stuff doing that and I really enjoyed it. But um, I also bought a lot of stuff that I never opened and didn't really find that interesting once it got to my house later. Um, But I find myself missing adding new games to my collection. So number one, I'm, you know, just over here scrolling Kickstarter because I remembered that it exists and I should go check it out. Um, And, you know, I wish that there was a better board game store close to me. I would love to go to physical stores again more often i didn't appreciate my local game store when i was living near it you really didn't appreciate that local game store i didn't i i blame them i agree with you yeah i mean i like adding new stuff it It was hard to park at downers grove has really terrible public parking (laughs) and it was like just far enough away from me that i had to drive but like not that far that it seemed like I don't know. It seemed silly to drive down there because it was so close, but also Bicycle? I couldn't really walk there. It was yeah. So let's see. I'm looking at my Kickstarter right now, and since I used the Dice Tower as a start of the year landmark, so since <laughs> backing the Dice Tower, I've backed Marvel United Multiverse, Zombicide White Death at the minimum level. So just like give me the box and the stretch goals and nothing else. Um, Tales of the Valiant, which I already regret. This is the um, oh, is it oh, who does it? Who does it? Who does it? I think it's Cobalt Press. Um, basically, it's their five E replacement that's supposed to be compatible with five um, E, but it's like their own game. And I got the PDF of it, and I, I filled out the survey, and I'm like. There is no reason to play your game over 5th edition D&D. Like, you have four house rules in the game, and otherwise it's just an exact copy of 5th edition D&D. Like, do so- you have the opportunity to do something interesting, and you've done nothing. Like, that was my feedback. Because Shade Master Chris uh, spreads again. <laughs> um, but really, it's bad. It's not worth holding. It's just, it's it's fine. But if you already own 5th edition, then you don't need that. Um, and then I back Crossbows and Catapults. Thanks, Terrence. And Savage Worlds 20th Anniversary. So that those are literally what are we at? five, six. Six counting the Dice Tower support of Kickstarters I've done this year. So that's a trend in the industry. It's like I'm, I'm kind of backing away a little bit. And part of it has to do with I just have too many games I haven't played. I want to play more. I don't think that's uncommon. Um, when you first get into the hobby, I think people like buy, 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 buy. And then they're like, oh, I have all these things and I'm not playing things anymore. And then you have to slow down and stop. Um, but in general, I haven't really seen recently a whole lot of standout stuff in general. Like I was at Gen Con and I'm walking up and down the halls and I'm like, eh, like I just didn't see anything that was catching my eye as like, this is the next big thing. Um, lies. There was uh, Inside Job. Inside Job, I can't wait to play it. It's the one thing that I'm like, oh, man. I I did not buy it at Gen Con. I heard about it at Gen Con, and then I went to Amazon and bought it there. And by the time I got home from Gen Con, it was already on my front step. Um, This is the sequel to The Crew. So it's the third... It's not a. It's not in that same thing, but you you could not tell that it wasn't the crew. But it's the crew with a hidden traitor, 
And I'm so excited for trying this out. I know, right? That's all I gotta say. The crew with a hidden trainer. (laughs) Done by the same people who did the crew. I'm like, oh, I gotta try this. So, yeah. So that's where I'm at. I'm like, I want iterations on things I know. I want to play the games I have. And that's really where my focus is going forward. It is just... It is hard to stay on top of everything. There's just too much stuff that comes out. And it used to be the board gaming hobby was just a small little pocket of things. But imagine if you tried to buy every video game that it was ever released, right? You just, you can't. At a certain point, you just have to be like, no, I buy like two a year and I play the, play those to death and then I'm good. Um, and that's really where I'm trying to go with my board game stuff is buy a couple a year, a couple new ones and really, play those <laughs> yeah christopher's like you're growing up and maturing i am i am and it's rough but i i think you can put more time into a less number of games i want to become not necessarily a cult of the old but i don't want to be i only will play new games and anything i've played before i don't want to play again because if you play a game once and you really like it but you never play it again did you really like that game like really i have yeah. to wonder but um, and so I'm just I was reading a thing from Terrence. So nobody's hearing that pause, but I was a pause. Um, so I mentioned in re, an interview with Terry Books that commented that he could actually keep up with all the science fiction and fantasy when he was growing up. And I'm assuming Terrence is still typing. That is impossible to do now, right? You just can't do it anymore. And when you are in that era, like the last decade of board games has been insanely huge for the industry. And it's only growing. Like nobody nobody is saying that the, there's a bubble and it's popping or anything like that. That's the board game industry is not a bubble. Um it is a growth projectile. It'll it'll eventually slow down. It'll level out because that's how all industries work, right? You get to a certain point and you're going to start leveling out. But when you are involved in that rapid rise and everything's new and every year there's something new and you have you, like you have to check it out the new things, eventually you want to stop, right? Fletcher and I have been Apple fanboys for the last decade. And for the long more. time, especially from <laughs> or more, uh, when the iPhone came out, like every single year, a new iPhone, we had to buy it. We had to buy it. We had to buy it. Well, at some point. I stopped doing that. I'm like, no, I don't need to buy the new thing. The thing I have now is just fine. And I think I'm to that point in board games as well. Just because something new comes out doesn't mean I need to buy it right now. I can be more measured in what I pick up and what I buy and why I buy it. And I think that that's where I am. So for me, this last decade has been amazing. But it's also taught me what I like, what I don't like what's worth investing in, what's not worth investing in. And that's that's where I'm I'm at right now and where I expect to be with the board game industry in general. Um, I'm not leaving it by any stretch of the imagination. It's just I don't need everything anymore. So that's how I have changed over the last decade. Kitty, it sounds like you're kind of a similar... You weren't listening, were you? <laughs> <laughs> You know, once we go over an hour and 15 minutes, <laughs> I, um... You're like, Union says I don't have to I listen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have started a new round of uh, a game on board game. That's <laughs> right. Well, Fletcher 
it sounds like you have more games to buy in general. In general, but, yes, but not enough space. But not enough space. All right. Well, I am single-handedly responsible for the dip in board game revenue for Q1 of 2023. So, yep. Um, Blame Chris. Take that for what it is. <laughs> All right. This is our looking back history, how things have changed. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we're professionals. Next week, you guys have homework. Next week, you need to come up with a list of games that will never lead your, leave your connect, blah, leave your collection. I will have about 50. That's Fletcher. too many. Make it I like 10. Five from you. <laughs> yeah, five to 10. And Kitty, 20. 20 games. That's a lot of games. I think she can do 20. Eh. If you can't do 20, don't push it. But I think you can do 20. I missed what we were talking about. 20 what? 20 games to Evergreen games. <laughs> games. Oh, games 20 that... evergreen games? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm. This is homework for I'm next week. I'm probably going to say 15. Yeah, this is our next week. Homework. I knew what my homework for next week was. I just didn't know we were talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> you are ridiculous. Kitty is zoning out. All right, Kitty. Um, did you remember that I have newborn twins? Oh uh, no. I th- I got four hours of sleep in a row last night, and that <laughs> felt amazing. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Um, all right, <laughs> read the outro. <laughs> <laughs> Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. We have a Discord. Join us there to continue the conversation and be part of our live recordings. It's also where you'll find an endless stream of games you can play with us and other listeners on BGA, sometimes during the show. Links are in the show notes, or you can go to tabletopgametalk.com to find out more. Hosting fees and giveaways have been sponsored by our patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, Michael Finley, Listener Doug, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Emil Jiljam, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayash, John Williams, Sir Sully, Matthew Droke, Jimothy, Paul Romer, Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keefe, Leanne Verhol, Stephen Judd, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Yanikowski, Jeremy Fisher, Christopher Dong, Terrence Miltner, Richard Yossi, Tolkien Fan Forever, Stephen Falcon, Joe Romero, Old Sci-Fi, a.k.a. Tim, David Radke, Brian Arnold, Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan C., Darren McClellan, David Garner, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric Salander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Rodney, Jerry Wong, Sean P. Kelly, Krista Keel, Monica Witchman, and Michael27. Thanks to anyone who's ever been a patron. You are the reason we've been doing this episode, or doing this episode, doing this episode for so long. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So one of the other games I'm addicted to right now is Marvel Snap. And the season ended an hour ago. And I didn't do a couple of things I wanted to do before the season ended. So now I'm going to play Marvel Snap for the rest of the night. That is my goal. And I've have fun with that. stopped playing Diablo. <laughs> You've stopped playing Diablo? Well, I mean, I haven't played anymore since we last played together, really. I've been wanting to go back and try it out again. I still listen to some YouTube stuff on it. Same. It just never... Yeah, I'm like mean, I'm following it, but I'm not tracking. I want to wait for them to like, I don't know, a few more weeks to release a few more patches because it just wasn't. Yeah, it didn't seem fun enough. Yeah, fix it so it doesn't feel like a job. Yeah. <laughs>
is basically what it comes down to. Although Fantasy or Final Fantasy 14 just had a fan fest and announced a new expansion for next summer. So now I think I might go back to that and um, power through the next expansion that I'm I'm going through. Because I do I Final Fantasy 14 is a really good game and it has a really good story that you can solo the entire thing. And so I'm gonna go back to that. So Fletcher, get a keyboard for your PlayStation or just download it for your Mac and start playing. We'll see. All right. Good night, Kitty. Night.